This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Championship Sunday in the National Football League. The final four remaining just a few weeks away from the Super Bowl. It sounds pretty good, Nolan Silbernagel. How are you doing today? Oh, I love it. I mean, I was saying uh, last week was like one of the best weekends in football, but this weekend you have two basically – there's almost like too many Super Bowls this Sunday. I mean, especially with Manning Brady heading off. Uh, you know it's going to be a great day of football. And as we were saying before, DJ, really is the four best teams remaining. DJ Sixsmith, Nolan Silbernagel, taking you through all things that happened last week and then, of course, previewing Brady Manning and the AFC side of things and Kaepernick Wilson. But let's start on the AFC looking back to last week because it was a very interesting game between Denver and San Diego. Remember, San Diego beat Denver at their place late in the regular season, and I was thinking, okay, Phillip Rivers is ready for this challenge. He proved it a couple years back. Now he's really ready to do big things. But I was surprised that Ken Wisenhunt didn't open things up offensively until later in the game because that fourth quarter, they dominated the Broncos' defense. Keenan Allen finally got involved. Ryan Ryan Matthews was on the bench, though. So was Danny Woodhead. And still, almost a miraculous comeback. San Diego, an onside kick, but it was just a little bit too late. Were you surprised that it took that long for San Diego to really get going with their offense? Yeah, no, absolutely, DJ. I mean, mean, you said it. Denver's defense held them to pitch a shutout the first three quarters. I mean, they literally – held them scoreless, and uh, everyone looking forward thinks that Denver's defense is what's going to be the problem or what's going to be the issue for Payne Manning on his quest to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl. It's always how many points does Payne have to put up. But, um, you know, it was 24 nothing after three quarters. I mean, they were they were sitting easy, uh, the Broncos were, but, um, you know, give the Chargers a lot of credit. They stayed tough. They they said never say die, and that's a true testament to their whole season. I mean, you said it, they – beat the Broncos during the regular season and that was just on their war path their march of winning five straight to end the season and then beating the Bengals and then giving the Broncos a run here but um yeah I mean I think Phil Rivers had one passing yard in the first half it was it was tough to watch at times and Nolan what a difference a year makes between last year when Denver is going up against Baltimore and there's a few minutes remaining and the Broncos just decide to run the ball try and chew up some clock Similar situation against San Diego with about five minutes left, yeah. and Peyton was the one throwing on third down, and he's the one that ultimately yeah. sealed the game. And that such a difference because if you remember last year, John Fox got so much criticism for being a little bit too complacent, mm-hmm. a little bit too lackadaisical offensively. But, you know, if John Fox can be in that same mindset going into Sunday, put all your trust in Peyton Manning. That's you got right. a great running game, but this guy is the greatest of all time at his position, okay? I'm not riding with anybody else. Let him win the game. That's exactly what he did against San Diego. So it's really going to work out, I think, going forward. No, yeah, that's a great point. I, I mean, but uh, like, as you're saying, you have to put the trust in the Peyton. And, you know, this is his time to do it. You know, he's here. He's heard all the criticism. He's heard all the playoff talk and how he can't compete when all the lights are on. But, um, you know, when you got Peyton Manning behind center, I mean, you're going to take him every time. Ride him, like you said. Let him be the reason why you win or lose those games, not because of a fumble or because of your running back. Now, I think the interesting is going to be you got a guy like Julius Thomas who's just really emerged this year, hasn't yeah. played in a lot of big games. He fumbled against San Diego. You have Wes Welker just coming back from a concussion. 
still trying to get back in gear. But the good thing is Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker are really playing top flight football at this point. I mean, seasons. Demarius was really the guy early on this season that you put all your trust in. And then mm-hmm. Decker, just like he did with Tebow a few years back, has really emerged as Peyton's favorite target. So going into this one this weekend, you got to feel good with what the Broncos offense did against a pretty good San Diego defense. Yeah. And I would say the Chargers defense is probably a little bit better, if not on the same level as that New England defense. No, absolutely, DJ. Everyone talks about teams of destiny once you get into the playoffs, especially in the NFL. I mean, it's so different from the other sports where it's just one and done. I mean, you only need four wins to be Super Bowl champion and, and all the other sports you need upwards uh, you need nine or ten however many it is so it's definitely the team of destiny Chargers they were the hot hand going into it so even though not too many people were expecting a 24-17 win and Bronco fans were definitely holding their breath definitely wasn't a bad bad win I would say I mean I definitely think they showed some grit they avoided the meltdown so that was definitely uh, huge but you said it those receivers I mean Demarius Thomas 14 touchdowns Eric Decker 11 Julius Thomas 12 Wes Welker 10 I mean those are unbelievable numbers how those guys all have double digit touchdowns I mean I think there's just so much offense on this Broncos team against you know I would say like kind of like a mediocre New England defense I I think they're gonna be looking pretty good on Sunday well I'll tell you what let's talk about that New England defense because last week you mentioned a team of destiny and I thought that was going to be the Indianapolis Colts did you really because what they did against Kansas City and then in that New England game they were still making enough plays where they were close in that one they were. but obviously Andrew Luck threw a few interceptions which really killed them but I would say for about two and a half quarters I was thinking that the the Indianapolis Colts were going to take it from the Patriots. Did I really think that? No, but just a little part of me was holding on to luck and trying to lead his team back because he kept answering every Brady spot. Before we like move forward with that game, so so that Kansas City, what happened in with against Kansas City with the Colts that. Gave you more confidence in the Colts yes, instead of Yes, I would say so. Even though they were down by a large margin. 28 points. The 28 points, but still, to come back from that deficit, Nolan, and win in dramatic fashion yeah, against that's a good a Kansas City team. But that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I knew going into New England, I, I put, I think, three confidence points into the Patriots winning that game. I was not shocked at all to see them come out, almost beat them by almost 20 points. And then again, in New England, Patriots go up 14 nothing, just like that, at the drop, yeah. of, drop of a hat. But then Andrew Luck comes right back. That's a good and point. And he's slowly but surely bringing the team back. But I think this is a great watermark for where he is right now because he proved in the Kansas City game he can finally win in the playoffs. Definitely. But the turnovers killed him. Nolan, he only had nine picks the entire season, and he threw six or seven in the playoffs in two games. I mean, you just can't have that if you're going to win, especially against a team like the Patriots. Yeah, it's definitely going with those growing pains. I mean, I think a lot of people forget how bad, say, Payne's first season was or how bad Eli Manning's first season was. I I think people forget that he's just a second-year starter, and um, there's definitely, obviously, way more improvement that he can do but um no I mean I thought the Patriots had an extremely impressive showing I thought they were gonna win but to almost double the Colts score and Brady didn't even throw a touchdown yeah and that's that's probably the biggest thing that Patriot fans and the Patriots organization that's probably what they have the most moving forward is that they put the ball on Blunt's back instead of Brady's and they still had a great game and how about LeGarrette Blunt Nolan he's a guy when he's at Oregon first-round talent. Then he punches a guy on Boise State right yeah. in the face, and then he's not even drafted. Dude, I remember it's that, crazy, that. That right? was a crazy highlight. That's only a few I mean, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And LeGarrette Blunt almost ruins his entire NFL career with Chip Kelly as his head coach at Oregon. 
Then he's playing for the Buccaneers. He's doing some good things, but again, he yeah. doesn't really find a spot. And then, of course, Bill Belichick comes out of nowhere, as he has with so many of these guys, you know, damaged products. Mm-hmm. And look what he's turned LeGarrette Blunt into. Nolan, this is a guy that's about 250 pounds. He's returning kicks for the Patriots. He's scoring four touchdowns. And then on top of that, you got Steven Ridley. You got Shane Vereen. So many different running options, and this is probably the best rushing attack that Tom Brady has ever had as a quarterback of the New England Patriots. Yeah, I can say that's very true because of what you said, because of all the names. I mean, there's three very capable guys, and uh, I mean, but I mean, Stephen Ridley and Blunt all have seven, they both have seven touchdowns. That's pretty impressive, especially with Blunt, like you said. I mean, no one would have thought that he was going to have the type of performance a he postseason had last season record yeah, four yeah. rushing touchdowns unbelievable crazy. especially because of who your quarterback is it's not a, say Alex Smith it's not a Joe Flacco I mean, it is Tom Brady and he wasn't the sole reason that the Patriots not only that they won that they won big so i think that adds so much intrigue heading into Sunday, how how much of a big win that was for New England. Along with Nolan Silbernagel, I'm DJ Sixsmith here on NFL Friday, breaking down last week's AFC playoff games. And I thought a really underrated part of last weekend's game was Jamie Collins. You didn't know who Jamie Collins was going into last week's game, but he's a guy, Nolan, that's about 6'5", 6'6", playing DN, but yeah. also plays linebacker. And then he's going back into coverage. I'm like, who's this big oaf yeah. that's running 20 <laughs> yards down the field? But he was such a critical player because he has size, he has speed, and I think he's someone known that can give Peyton Manning real fits on Sunday because he's a big dude. He's going to be tough to block, and then if you have him dropping off into coverage, there are not too many linebackers that can run that far down the field. And I think Collins is a guy that really went under the radar. He was his early pick for the Patriots in the second round, but he's a guy that could take them ultimately to where they want to go in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a great point, CJ. I mean, everyone says that Payton loves to throw in the middle of the field, loves have, working with the whole field, all of that. So if you've got a guy like that who not only can rush and give Payton pressure, but can also get back and lower and um, close the field and put pressure out in the middle of the field – then, yeah, you know, it could definitely give Manning some problems. It'll be interesting to see how much of an impact he has. All right, final thought on Andrew Luck. A fan of the beard that he had going on, or you're not buying that Amish look he was sporting? Absolutely not. No, I mean, it's got to come in full. It's got to come in thick. It, it was just scraggly. It just didn't look good. You know what me. I was thinking about? What other starting quarterbacks, real prominent guys, have grown big beards like that? Because Brady has a little scruff going. Yeah, yeah they have Kaepernick's scruff. tried to they go with a chin scruff. strap. But nothing like I've been homeless for yeah, the past exactly. two months. That's what it was. It wasn't like it wasn't like a man like biking beard. It, it looked homeless, like you said. It was just Andrew. Don't do it for next playoffs. All right, Listen coming up next, we talked about the AFC from last week. Now let's go into the NFC games, breaking down San Francisco's win along with Seattle. Love that music. It's just football music. Absolutely. The best of the best. Welcome back to WFEV Sports' NFL Friday alongside Nolan Silbernagel. I'm DJ Sixpith. And obviously, that's Fox Football's song. They cover the NFC. So, Nolan, let's break down everything we saw last week on the NFC side of things in the playoffs. I want to start off first with Carolina and San Francisco because Cam Newton playing in his first playoff game at home had already beaten the 49ers earlier this season at their place. So I was thinking, okay, Cam Newton, this is your moment. Are you ready to take that next step in your career? And early on in that game, it looked like he was doing just that. He had a great touchdown pass to Steve Smith. Brandon LaFell was a good receiver getting open down the field. But 
Where I thought the game really changed was Vernon Davis's touchdown in the back of the end zone where he drags the two feet in, Luke Keekley falls to the ground. It was a first half that was dominated by Carolina. And then all of a sudden, just like that, San Francisco, a fortuitous touchdown, and they have the lead going into the half. And they never look back, Nolan. That's just the type of team the 49ers are. I don't blame Carolina for the way things went down, but I expected a little bit more exactly. in that second half, and I never saw it. Exactly, exactly, DJ. I mean, I mean, you said it. I was definitely a little disappointed. I, I picked Carolina to win this game. I mean, I thought they had a good defense. I thought Cam Newton, like you said, was ready to take that next step. I, I mean, there's, there's certain steps you take, you, you know, hopefully in, in a – you know, when you look at a timeline of a young quarterback, you think, you know, good rookie season, okay, make the, have the team make the playoffs, win a playoff game, okay, make the NFC Championship. You know, I thought he was ready to not only bring the Panthers to the playoffs, but to get that win. Um, but unfortunately, you know, only 10 points. Like you said, only that touchdown pitch, that touchdown uh, throw to Steve Smith. And after that, Carolina just looked flat. And like you said, ever since – that Vern Davis touchdown where Jim Harbaugh was freaking out on the field and there was all that controversy. Mm-hmm. Right after that, Carolina just looked extremely flat. And, uh, you know, props to San Francisco for coming to a pumped-up Carolina atmosphere and for coming away with a relatively, you know, easy win, 23-10. And I want to say something that I've said in the past but needs to be brought up again. Anquan Bolden going to the 49ers is the biggest steal of the 2013 season. There's no doubt in my mind. Think about this. Basically, Baltimore gives him up for a late-round pick fifth, sixth round. I mean, basically just giving him to San Francisco Mm -hmm. and saying, this is the one piece you need to win a Super Bowl. It's the reason why (laughs) we beat you last year. So now it's your turn to go win. Take it. And how big has Bolden been? I mean, he's just such a good guy going down the field because you know what you're getting out of Michael Crabtree. He's a guy that can go vertical. But Bolden, being a possession receiver on those third down and fives, there are a couple of them in that Carolina game. Kaepernick and Bolden have really developed a great rapport and I think going into this game against Seattle, it's Bolden that really needs to step up because against Seattle in that first time they met one catch for Anquan Bolden. That can't happen again, but against the Panthers, he clearly dominated that defense. Well, what's going to help Bolden is the fact that Michael Crabtree is also on the field And he now. didn't play in that first and, game. Yeah, exactly. And I think that adds just an entire – you know, people say how you can't look at the Green Bay Packers record because Rodgers was out. I mean, obviously it's not that extreme, but having Crabtree on the field, huge, huge upgrade for San Francisco – Gives them not just Davis to worry about and Bolden, but also Crabtree. You have the fantastic running game of Gore and Kaepernick. I mean, that really does just perfectly puts together the San Fran offense. And, you know, people have said it's really tough to win in Seattle, but if there was a team that could do it, it is the San Francisco 49ers. And I think it's interesting when you look at Carolina in that game because all season long in late game situations, Cam Newton found a way to win. And it looked like he was going to do just that driving late in the game but a really bad interception killed that drive late in the fourth quarter. And I think going forward, you have a few questions about Carolina in terms of their durability because Steve Smith is not going to be on the outside for too many years longer. He's definitely getting older. D'Angelo Williams is a good, solid running back, but is he a guy that can carry the load? I think Newton needs a few more toys to play with because Greg Greg Olson, excuse me, I think is going to be a great tight end in this league. He's already proven that. And the defense right now is set. And if you're Ron Rivera, I think you need to make a few adjustments here and there because San Francisco is putting a lot of pressure on Cam Newton, and he wasn't used to that all year. But I think Carolina is a team we're going to see again making a run maybe next year, maybe the year after. 
Obviously, the NFC is going to get better, but I think Newton will grow with Absolutely. age. And this is a great place for him to be at this stage in his career after being a number one pick just a few years ago. No, yeah, Cam Newton will definitely grow. I mean, people were especially hoping for this after his rookie campaign. But uh, like you said, you, you know, you got to take those steps. And he took that big step of reaching the playoffs. That's like on that check mark list of making it to be a great quarterback. But uh, I actually had a question uh, for you, DJ. What were you thinking? Um, what do you think of uh, Kaepernick? impersonating uh the Cam superman Newton's touchdown dance of the superman do you I, I i don't know if i i'm a huge fan of that whatsoever i mean you're obviously in that guy's home park i mean that is blatant you know in your face taunting i'm not a huge fan of it. i was wondering um what you picked up on that because that was something that i also noticed pretty big for him to do that let me say this it's one thing to do the superman but what he did in unbuttoning and buttoning the shirt mm-hmm. like clark kent i thought that just took it to the next yeah. level i like the creativity but you said it, a huge statement not only like a in huge carolina diss, like a huge oh yeah diss to cam Newton. but he like, did it right on the sea of the carolina yeah. logo in the middle of the end mm-hmm. zone so you know what kaepernick deserved to do it was a little bit of gamesmanship maybe I mean, Navarro Bowman was doing it after sacks. I think they really wanted to get inside the head of Cam Newton. And I'll yeah. tell you what, San Francisco's a veteran team. They did just that. They made Cam Newton look more like a rookie quarterback than the guy that we saw for most of this season. No, yeah, they really did. And everyone, you know, was talking about the big match of Kaepernick and, uh, and Cam Newton. I mean, both very athletic, very mobile quarterbacks. Who was going to prevail? Who was going to have the bigger game? And it definitely turned out that. Kaepernick's experience from last year's uh, Super Bowl run definitely came into play this week. Now, speaking of mobile quarterbacks, let's talk about Russell Wilson. He led his team to a victory over New Orleans 23-15. to But I'll tell you what, folks, I wasn't sold on what Russell Wilson did against the Saints. Yes, the Saints are a better defense this season with Rob Ryan as defensive coordinator, but you mean to tell me a guy's going to throw just over 100 yards against a team of the Saints that was one of the oh, worst man. in the league last year, mm-hmm. middle of the pack this year, Nolan, how am I supposed to trust him against a very good San Francisco team? I love Marshawn Lynch. He's going to have a great game, and he's going to need to have a great game against the 49ers if the Seahawks won against the Super Bowl. But I don't know if I can buy into Russell Wilson because he's a great game manager, but when it comes down to making plays at the end, he did it against New Orleans with a pass to Doug Baldwin, but I just don't know if he can do it against a team like San Francisco. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm definitely skeptical, too. I mean, Russell Wilson, he was struggling to get to 200 yards passing. I mean, you can't be doing that if if you're the quarterback trying to lead your team to the Super Bowl. It's just not in today's game. Uh, If Seattle's going to win this game, it's going to be because of Marshawn Lynch. Like you said, you know, just another monster year, almost 1,300 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. He's the reason. He gives the Seattle offense spark. You know, we were just talking about the San Francisco 49ers offense. Having Vernon Davis, Frank Gore, Kaepernick being good, uh, Crabtree's back. I mean, once you look past the receiving of Golden Tate, who didn't even get 1,000 yards this year, I mean, who does Seattle really have for Russell Wilson to throw to? Yeah, I mean, we don't know if Percy Harvin's going to be playing in this game with a concussion. but And who knows if he could even last the whole game if he can play. I mean, he's like glass. You know, he gets gets banged up. It's certainly a good point, and maybe that, that way we could take a little bit of the blame off Russell Wilson, given what he has. But I think he's got enough weapons to make plays down the field. Plus, you got seven or eight guys in the box keying on Marshawn Lynch. Go play action. You should be using your tight end and Zach Miller a little bit more. I mean, they got enough pieces to win. But let's talk about that Seattle defense for a second because Jimmy Graham comes into this game having one of the best years a tight end has ever had in the history of the league. Monster season. And he was completely shut down in this game. And I couldn't believe it because you have Sean Payton, one of the best offensive minds in all of football, 
couldn't find a single way to get his top wide receiver open. And Drew With Brees. Drew Brees chucking Drew to Drew Brees, him. again, yeah. a great player at the quarterback position. And someone, as we've mentioned on this podcast, really doesn't like to play in cold weather. But still, when it got down to the fourth quarter, slowly but surely it looked like the Saints were going to have a little bit of a comeback. Mark mm-hmm. Ingram was running tough. The running game was finally there for Brees. But in the end, it just a little bit short. And unfortunately, and a little too much of a forward. Yeah, pass. can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> Marcus Colston, go out of bounds. Marcus Colston, what do you do? I mean, you got fa- four seconds. It was just that was probably the most upsetting part of the game was the fact that it had to end with the referee being like, "Oh, that's a violation." Uh, it's like a 15-second dock or whatever. Game is over. Because in your wildest yeah. dreams, you don't think that New Orleans is going to get another opportunity yeah, after exactly. that onside yep, kick. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Marcus Colston, you go out of bounds at around the 40-yard line. Mm-hmm. You got one more chance to throw it into the yep. end zone. But what are you guy doing? was just trying to be a hero, uh, I, I, Noah. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, and just the way it ended. It's not like they tr- attempted to do all the passing back and the flea flickers and all that, but it was the fact that he, you know they couldn't execute it and, and it was called a penalty on them. That was the worst part. Real quick, Nolan, is this a disappointment for New Orleans given where they fell in the playoffs, or do you think it's a success because of everything that Sean Payton went through not being with the team definitely, last year? Definitely. I mean, I mean – the Saints went through a horrible year last year. It, it was a really struggle, a really big struggle for them. They come back. They're another big name in the NFC again. They're one of the big guys. They get their first road playoff victory in franchise history. That's something to hang your hat on. And, you know, they, they got the tough task of getting Seattle at home. And right now that's the place to – that's not the place to win games. So we've talked about all of last week's games between the NFC and the AFC. Now it's time to preview what we got going on this weekend. And our next guest, he's no stranger WFUV. He's an alum here at FUV, former sports manager, Marty Glickman Award winner, and of course, now you can hear him on CBS Sports Radio Network on the John Feinstein Show. It's my pleasure welcoming Andrew Bogish. Andrew, a long title for you, but I'm sure you got even more knowledge than that on this weekend's games, right? Uh, no, that's about it. That's about as nice as it gets, like everyone on the show. I mean, that's so, a great uh, title. Uh, I'm always happy to be here, boys. Good to talk to you. Yes, okay, Andrew, you. let's start with Seattle and San Francisco. Obviously, these two teams met earlier on in the season. I want to know which will play a bigger factor, the stadium noise of the 12th man at Seattle or San Francisco's championship championship experience the last couple of years? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, I think if you had asked me that like on Monday or Tuesday, I might have told you Seattle. But the more I've kind of just sat and thought about this game, and this has nothing to do with like any kind of stats or tendencies or anything like that, I just part of me is feeling the Niners going in there um, and kind of just erasing all these demons and not, not blowing out Seattle, but kind of winning emphatically. They just seem to kind of be in this nice little in this little in this little spot right now. They're playing so well. They've been on the road the last couple of weeks and they've looked so good. Kaepernick, I, I'm not, not going to say that he's locked in, uh, but the guys who have been following him all year long think he's playing at his best right now. The offense is certainly different with Michael Crabtree healthy, which he was not for the game one in Seattle this year, uh, way back in week two or week three. Uh, I just I, I really like where the Niners are right now, and that's a, a fairly new development because for so long. You know, the question for me was, who do I think could possibly go into Seattle and win a playoff game? And while I thought San Fran had the best chance, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I still thought Seattle would win um, against them, against Carolina, against whomever. Uh, but now all of a sudden I find myself just really liking the way San Francisco arrives in this game. Uh, and then you throw in the fact that they've, that they've kind of been here before now, so to speak. Um, I think things really have set up well for them, as, as well as they can be for a road team going to Seattle in January. Andrew, you mentioned Kaepernick uh, briefly during that answer, but uh, Russell Wilson, he, also, he kind of struggled last week against uh, the New Orleans defense. Are you looking at Kaepernick to have the bigger game despite being on the road? 
Yeah, I, I guess I am. And, you know, it's not just last week where, where Wilson has struggled. It's been now four or five weeks in a row where he's been, you know, barely getting to 200 yards passing. He only had nine completions yeah. last week. Uh, I, I think there's two things going on. I think he's a little off, uh, and I think that's because defense has figured out a way to um, to kind of contain him. He's mm-hmm. better on the move right now. So teams are kind of making him stay in the pocket and using his lack of height against him, and I think he's struggling a little bit. Plus, you know, he's never had Sidney Rice this year. He's barely had Percy Harvin. And the other guys, well, I like Doug Baldwin and, and Golden Tate. You know, they're not consistent weapons. So um, I, I absolutely think if this game comes down to which quarterback plays better, uh, I would I would pick Kaepernick because he certainly, wow. at least recently, mm-hmm. has given you more reason to be confident in him. Okay. Yeah. DJ Sixsmith, Nolan Silbernagel, chatting with CBS Sports Radio's Andrew Bogish. So, Andrew, looking at that game earlier in the season, Anquan Bolden just one catch, but Michael Crabtree didn't play in that game. So, in your eyes, who's the most important weapon for San Francisco on the offensive side of things? Uh, I think it's Crabtree. I, I really do. I mean, he, he just makes everything else more more dynamic. You know, Bolden's a heck of a player. There's no doubt in that. What he did last year in Baltimore uh, for Baltimore was tremendous. Uh, and he's a nice little safety blanket with uh, for Kaepernick. And then there's Vernon Davis and Frank Gore, too. But, you know, this, this offense has been markedly different since Crabtree has gotten healthy and gotten back to being him. Um, so I, I think he's the obvious answer. And, you know, he's just – I thought he was, when he came out, I thought he might have been the best player in that draft. I know he was a knucklehead and he got to a really slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last, you know, year plus, he's been he's been very, very impactful. And he has made the complete, you know, all the world different for him on offense. Andrew, looking off the field, everyone, they're hyping up the Pete Carroll-Jim Harbaugh rivalry heading into Sunday. Which coach do you think has a bigger impact on this game? Um, it's probably going to be Carroll because he's the architect um, of that Seattle defense. And the way the Niners are going on offense, you know, I think that the Seahawks defense has to figure out a way, um, maybe more so than the Niners defense, to keep, the, keep things in check. So, you know, it's going to be up to Carroll to contain Kaepernick, to negate Gore, and to get the best matchups possible in his secondary, which has been good, but don't forget, it's missing some key cogs. And I would think at some point, like injuries and suspensions, are going to get him you know where. So I think yeah. Carroll's going to be thinking on his feet this whole game, um, adjusting whatever the Niners do, and make sure that his defense is in position to be at its best, which is third and long, where they can tee off and go get Kaepernick. Right. All right, Andrew, let's go to the Mile High City now. Once again, we get Brady and Manning in the AFC title game, but I want to talk about the running games. LeGarrette Blunt, the hot running back coming into this one. No Sean Moreno has been consistent all year long. So who are you rolling with on Sunday afternoon? Uh, that's a that's a really good question, and it's a tough one to answer because um, both teams are playing defense really well, which you know is not always the lead story for either one of them. Uh, but they've they've figured things out. The Broncos, you know, until the fourth quarter when San Diego rallied last week, might have been playing their best defensive game of the year. Um, the San Diego run game was really never a factor in that one, and New England's in a really nice job as well to you know help out an offense that's not near top efficiency without Gronkowski and everybody else. Um, and Moreno went for 224 in their first meeting. Um, I, you know, I'm going I'm to ride with New England, I guess, on the ground and just the running backs all together because that now all of a sudden is kind of the strength of this offense on the ground, catching the ball with Moreno in the backfield. Uh, and they seem to be pretty locked in, and they need that on Sunday because, you know, this is, you say this with everybody that plays Denver, the less time Peyton Manning has to football, the better. So that run game's got to be fun center for New England on Sunday. Andrew, I know it's the playoffs and so much changes from week to week, but does the Patriots' big win over the Colts mean more than the Broncos only beating San Diego by seven? 
Um, no, I, I think you just—I think you just gotta—you gotta—you gotta survive. Um, I mean, the I think the, the thing that you can hang your hat on or worry about maybe uh, is the Broncos letting San Diego get off the mat. And I and I thought yeah. in their body language, maybe Manning in particular, they look a little shook as San Diego's making that return, thinking, you know, here we go again. We blew one last year. Peyton thinking about all the times that he's come up short uh, individually back in Indianapolis. So maybe that is, you know, kind of a concern that. Let's say the similar thing plays out where Denver gets up 17-3 or 21-7. All of a sudden, here comes the inevitable New England rally. Uh, maybe Denver has those same self-doubts and can't stop um, this rally they did a week ago. So, yeah, definitely. You know, the, the New England one's impressive. I love the run game. I love the defense they showed in that one. Um, but the thing I, I guess lingers most for me off the two wins is Denver thinking about messing things up again for themselves. DJ Sixsmith, Nolan Silbernagel, talking with WFEV sports alum Andrew Bogus. So, Andrew, so much emphasis put on the offenses in this game. How about the defenses? Because in that game earlier in the season, a 24-0 lead for the Denver Broncos. They let it slip away. No Von Miller. He's out with a torn ACL. So which defense do you trust more on Sunday afternoon? Well, I think this game ends up getting played in the high 20s, low 30s. Um, so I, I don't know that there's going to be much defense play, played in this one. Uh, and Denver certainly looked different a week ago after Chris Harris went out in the secondary. That's when San Diego's rally really uh, really got going in that one. So he's out for this one, too, the torn ACL. Um, and see, here's me again. Now, I should have prefaced all of these comments. I think New England wins this game. Uh, I think they win at 31-27, something along those lines. So uh, I'm going to pick their defense to make – uh, maybe one of the few key plays a defense makes in this game, whether it's a pick uh, or maybe a strip sack and manning, something like that, I don't think this game is 13-10. So there's going to be points, and I think the defense that makes an impact is the one that gets the one key turnover, and that's New England's thing. They bend, but they don't break. They give up yards, but then they turn you over, if or they, worst case, hold you to a field goal. Uh, and I think that they're going to have – the one play in this game that gives their guy the one extra chance to score some points. That's why I think they can steal this, steal this win on the road in Denver, um, you know, within a touchdown in that area. All right, Andrew, this will be my last question. Who needs this win uh, more, Brady or Manning? Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's Peyton. Um, and there's certainly pressure on, on Brady slash Belichick because there are people who still hold against him the fact that they haven't won uh, in, since Spygate. Yeah, in 10 years. We had a conversation yeah. this morning. Uh, on our show, and that kind of drives me nuts because, you know, post-Spygate, they haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've been to two of them um, and lost twice very close, once on one of the most ridiculous plays ever, and then the second time in one of the most ridiculous throws and catches of all time. So it's not like they've <laughs> all of a sudden become 5-11 and 11 football teams yeah. because they're not cheating anymore. Um, so they're certainly, you know, they, they have some pressure to kind of shut that, that up. Um, but I, I think anytime Peyton Manning is involved in a football game in the postseason, at 37, against Brady, at home, as the favorite. I mean, the, the wow. pressure's got to be yeah. on him because you know his resume is unbelievable, but his playoff resume has has things to hold against him. And I think losing this game at home, um, you know, with a, a slightly healthier roster to Brady again, I think would be it's a huge piece of ammo for those who want to hold Peyton Manning back historically because of what he's not done in the postseason. All right, Andrew, before we let you go, I trust in your opinion, but what about your guy, John Feinstein? Who does he like this weekend? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good question because uh, Mr. Feinstein, for some reason, does not want to make picks. He's, like, against picks. He has no confidence. <laughs> he doesn't think that people that listen want to know what he thinks, which is somewhat counterproductive to being a radio host. But um, I, I think, you know, gleaning from what he's said, 
um, in simple breakdown this week. I think he likes Seattle. And I think he likes Denver, but that's me reading tea leaves because he has <laughs> never actually specifically said, I think they're going to win. Um, I will tell you firmly that I'm somehow rolling with two road teams. And by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, if San Fran does win this game, they'd be the first team ever to win back-to-back conference championship games on the road. No one's ever wow. done it. Um, wow. So uh, they have a little, that little bit of history to get to that they could accomplish on Sunday. The man that always tells it like it is, Andrew Bogus, CBS Sports Radio and former WFUV sports manager. Andrew, thanks so much for dropping in. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Guys, my pleasure. You know my number. Call me whenever. All right, will do. Coming up next, we look into a little bit deeper about what's going down on Sunday. Noah and I break down all things New England and Denver, along with San Francisco and Seattle. Back here on NFL Friday, WFUV Sports. we got a great weekend of football coming up. These are the four teams we wanted to see, just as we talked about with our main man, Andrew Bogish. Alongside Nolan Silbernagel, I'm DJ Sixsmith. So we've heard from Andrew. Nolan, it's finally time to give our perspective. Let's start off with you, my friend. NFC Championship game, rematch, Seattle-San Francisco. You have the 49ers who have played in two of these now, one with Alex Smith one with Colin Kaepernick that got to the Super Bowl last year. Do you see San Francisco going back to the title game again, or do you think this is Pete Carroll's year along with Russell Wilson? I mean, you know, there's so many intangibles going into this game. I think San Francisco is the better team. I do. I mean, we were just kind of highlighting it with – Even though Seattle won the division. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think San Francisco is the better team. I I mean, like we said, having Crabtree back, having Crabtree uh, back, Vernon Davis on the field – Stop laughing at me, Pat, behind the glass. Um, you know, Vernon Davis, Frank Gore, Colin Kaepernick, everyone there. Just the, Their offense is amazing. Their defense is amazing. But you got to look at the stats. Seattle is 15-1, 16-1 in their last two years at home. I mean, when San Francisco came into Seattle, they, they lost 29-3. to I mean, I just feel like it's a completely different dimension. I feel like if this was a neutral, neutral, if this was for the Super Bowl in New York – I would probably be leaning towards San Fran, but I would not be surprised to see the Seahawks come on top because of how hard it is to play there and because of that home field advantage. And I asked Bogus about that because it gets so deafeningly loud in that place. Yeah, they register earthquakes there. Yeah, they it's register not a normal home. I'm not just – and for everyone listening, I, I'm not just saying it as, oh, it's home field advantage, like they're the home team. It, like this is – the only place in all of sports where it is this You can't hear yourself think, at. let alone yeah. call a play out Absolutely. there for Colin Kaepernick. Here's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a big problem if the 49ers can't run the football because Frank Gore is such a critical piece in that San Francisco offense, and he obviously sets up Colin Kaepernick in running the option. I think Seattle wins this game if Kaepernick is forced to be a pocket passer because even the great Joe Montana said yeah. Kaepernick still needs to improve in the pocket. He's not that efficient just yet. And I think if you have your winningest quarterback in franchise history saying that, I think it's going to be a little bit of an issue because Seattle's defense is rock solid. Not only their front six, but their defensive backs are ridiculous. Whether it be, I mean, Richard Sherman has had an unbelievable season. Earl Thomas, even a guy like Byron Maxwell, who you don't, you may not know who he is, but earlier on this season when Brandon Browner got suspended because of another uh, policy issue with 
with the NFL. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, Maxwell's come in in that game against Seattle where he was huge in shutting down Bolden, and now he's going to have the responsibility of guarding Crabtree. So it's really been the next man up mentality for that Seattle defense. But who knows what Kaepernick's going to be able to do given that Seattle really flustered him last time out there. Yeah, I, I mean, they really did. And granted, San Fran did win the second game at Candlestick Park. I understand that. But to, to, to beat the San Francisco 49ers, 29-3, granted it was like the second week of the year, that's definitely something the Seahawks players are going to be thinking about. And also, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, it's hard for me to invest into uh, the 49ers and to Kaepernick when even Joe Montana isn't. I feel with his quotes that he was saying, I feel like he wasn't fully confident in Kaepernick. I mean, this is like a direct quote that he said. He said, nobody wants to throw with pressure anymore, but the guys who can win in this league are the ones who can make throws from the pocket. Is that really something that Kaepernick does? Does he really make throws from the pocket or does he make a living by keeping the play alive, by scrambling, by getting yards? It kind of sounded like from what Montana's saying, like he's not sure if Kaepernick is ready for that. But why is he even talking this week? I know, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's just such a shame because you kind of always see this. They get the old greats coming and they just give their honest opinion and it gets blown up. But obviously, Montana knows a lot more about football than me and knows a lot more about quarterbacking than me. And if he sees a flaw in what Kaepernick is doing and if he sees some doubt in what Kaepernick is doing, then I don't know how I'm supposed to put investment into it going against that Seattle defense going against that Seattle crowd look I think it's a fair critique but why do you have to say it to the entire world can't you just go to 49ers practice bring Colin Kaepernick aside and say hey here's some things that I've been seeing while watching you and this is what I think you can do against Seattle that would be great don't just make it a a big media story Mm -hmm. Montana's just trying to stay in the limelight and I understand where he's coming from but Colin Kaepernick needs all the support he can get and to tell you but, the but, truth, do, but do you think Montana's right? But before we talk about, like, obviously he was wrong to say it. He was wrong to say it, but do you think what he said was right? I think it has some truth to it. But, Nolan, compared to Colin Kaepernick last year, this quarterback that we've seen this year is miles ahead of where he was a year ago in terms of being able to throw in the pocket. When you look back to last year, you think Colin Kaepernick. You thought about a guy that could really run the triple option well, a guy that could really get down the field. You didn't think about a guy that could stand in the pocket, make throws to Anquan Bolden on a strike or Michael Crabtree. I think he's really improved as a passer, and I think that's something people take for granted because they just see these big, flashy plays with Kaepernick scoring on the run. But Mm -hmm. I think Kaepernick is ready to be the pocket passer he needs to be. That's the only way that he's going to win against this Seattle team. Yeah, definitely. And look, he learned from that first game against Seattle because he came back at home, played much better against the same Seattle defense. And I wouldn't say I'm fully confident in his ability to throw within the pocket, but his game is so predicated on rolling out and making plays with his feet. Why can't he do both? Why can't he throw and run? I think he'll be just fine. Even against Seattle's defense, that's probably the best in the league. I would actually like to know uh, Pat and Kelly's uh, opinion behind the glass. I mean, how much how much weight does that 29-3 win have, you know, moving forward for this Sunday? I mean, I would love to hear your opinion. DJ and I were kind of talking about it. I mean, I, I, I like when I'm looking at uh, playoff matchups, I like to see who the teams, how they fared against each other because that's truly who they're facing on game day. And when they were in that same environment facing that team, they really came up well short. So I was wondering what you guys had to think about that. Well, Nolan, kind of going off what you just said, I think that it scared Kaepernick almost a little bit. I think he wasn't ready to perform under those kind of circumstances. And I think that 
I don't know how good of a showing San Fran's going to have in Seattle. You heard the whole thing about they were limiting the ticket sales in Seattle, and I think um, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, nobody from the yeah. state of California. Yeah, that's yeah, unbelievable. Exactly. What if you're a Seahawks fan? I, I know. I was thinking about that. I mean, they're not like California is pretty close to Washington. You know, it's not that crazy to think there's Seahawks fans there. But yeah, that, yeah, Kelly, great point. Definitely, yeah. So yeah, definitely going off that. So that way, I think San Fran's not going to have their fans that well represented. So with that, I think Seattle's a very definitely large home field advantage here. And if they can't get the crowd out of their head and they cause maybe a false start or cause San Fran a timeout early in the game, that could rattle a young quarterback like Kaepernick. But you know what? I think at the end of the day, you were gonna you weren't gonna hear those 49er fans anyway. You know what you're getting into when you go to Seattle. You're gonna be playing in a very loud environment. Same mm-hmm. thing as in Kansas City at Arrowhead, another very loud crowd. So I think that really shouldn't be an issue for San Francisco because they've really? been there, done that. No, and I get they lost 29-3, but they're going to be ready for it. Awesome. Obviously, the playoffs is a little bit different. It's going to be even louder, but you can't let something that minuscule in the larger scheme of things get in your way of trying to reach the Lombardi Trophy. I don't know if it's minuscule because it's communication, and I think communication in any sport is huge. And, you know, as Kelly said, she described Kaepernick as very well. He's young. You know, he's we forget like he's developed. He's been in the Super Bowl, but you know he's only a second year starter. And, and you know, you get the false starts, you get the having to call the forced timeouts, you get all that. If he gets rattled, then they're I feel like then they're done for. And in Seattle, there's a huge chance that he's going to get rattled. That's that's kind of where I'm moving at with that. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, Nolan, I I like that point, but I don't think it's going to be nearly to the same extent that it was uh, back in week three or whenever it was that those two teams played. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a very long time ago, and I think a big piece that um, Kaepernick has this time that he didn't have in that game is Michael Crabtree. Yeah. I think Michael Crabtree is a huge security blanket for him. I think he makes Kaepernick feel much more comfortable when he's in the game. And Good I think point. that'll help him a lot going back to Seattle. And think about this, Nolan. If they start out the game better than they did the last time, you take the crowd out a little bit. Obviously, they're going to be there for the remainder of it. But I think the bigger concern is whether or not Russell Wilson shows up because I just didn't see enough from last week's game. And this is a guy that I trust in certain situations. I think he's a good quarterback. He should be the guy for Seattle. Pete Carroll made the right decision in putting him ahead of Matt Flynn. But oh, for sure. the biggest thing that I oh, go Matt <laughs> poor Matt <Jeez>. Flynn. <laughs> the biggest thing that I wrestle with is you have a team in San Francisco that has played in two of these games. They understand the way you win a game and also what happens when you lose a game. You don't do enough and you make mistakes like Kyle Williams did in 2011. And then you have a team in Seattle that's never been in this situation. Even though Pete Carroll has won the national championship with USC, it's a completely different scenario in the National Football League. So I don't know what I value more because obviously the experience helps you along the way, but when you don't have that, you're kind of coming into it just ready for everything and you're mm-hmm. you you put on blinders to everything from the past because you don't have anything to base it off of but yeah. I don't like the fact that you, people say oh you have to go through it once before you can take that next step like Kaepernick has been there twice so now he should be ready to exactly, go to another Super exactly. Bowl I mean why can't yeah. Russell Wilson do it yeah. without having having ever played in the NFC championship Perfect. yeah I mean I mean people who say that I mean you can just look at Kaepernick and say he had never done anything before last year, and yeah, he made it to the Super Bowl. True. Joe Flacco uh, never made it to the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. Eli Manning that first year, he, he was like a joke of the league, and he made it to, <laughs> and he won the Super Bowl. I mean, so I mean, I I think as a whole, yeah, the experience definitely helps. But when it comes to game day, it, anything can happen. I mean, every weekend is is different. It's a different scenario, and I don't know. I'm I really like I said at the beginning of this. 
I think that San Francisco is the better team. I think they're more complete. When you look at mm-hmm. their roster, their stats, and if this was being played in New York for the Super Bowl, then, yeah, I'd probably be giving it to the 49ers. But you give the tough conditions, all of that, I think you got to give it to Seattle. I mean, they're 16-1. and one. It's 15-1 and one in the past two years. That's Look, there, unbelievable. There's no denying what the Seattle Seahawks have done at home. That's but unbelievable. I mean, I mean can, we, can we just look at, like, can we just, like, appreciate, like, 16-1, that's what it is in 17 games. And they lost – like to the seven Cardinals. points to the Cardinals. A, a good Cardinals team. They were, what, 10-6, 11-5? They so were a good I, team this year. So, I mean, I mean those, that's an unbelievable win percentage. But now, basically, you throw that record out the window. It's the NFC Championship game. And think but, about think, yeah, Go ahead. Think so, about but, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could throw it, that record out the window, but the, the, the elements will still be the same of the – Loud crowd, the miscommunication, the hard to hear each other. I, that's going to be the same every single game. Look, I put stock in that, but I think I put more value in the fact that look at the last few years and the teams that have gone to the Super Bowl and won it. They've been teams that have played wild card weekend, whether it be the Giants or, or the that's Packers good, good or point. even this past season with the Ravens. You have a Seattle team that has everything perfectly set up the way that you'd want it to with the young quarterback and Russell Wilson, but I just think – when you have two games under your belt playing at Lambeau Field and then at Carolina, you're ready mind, for Seattle. With- that, Lambeau, that Lambeau game against the Packers team that, yes, they were a better team with Rodgers than the record suggests, but that game for me brought down the San Francisco stock a lot for and me. And why is that? Because they barely beat a Packers team that had just gone back, Aaron Rodgers, who had a broken collarbone for like eight weeks. I mean, a team that – was eight seven one almost a five hundred team? Granted, without Rodgers, but he was just coming fresh back from a huge injury, and they beat him on a last second field goal. I mean, for me, you know, I thought they were, they should have romped that game personally. You know, so obviously doing well against Carolina helps their case a bit, but you know, similar Lambo tough conditions. They really struggled. Seattle's gonna be tougher conditions against a better team. DJ Sixsmith, Nolan Silvernagel breaking down this weekend's NFL games. So let's talk about the Denver and New England Mm -hmm. matchup because that's the first game that we're going to see on Sunday. And once again, we get Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in an AFC title game and all the history between those two teams when Manning was on the Colts. But now you get a new chapter. Mm -hmm. Brady with the Denver Broncos. He's got Wes Welker, who's, of course, Tom Brady's former favorite target. And best friend. And best friend, he of course. took away his best friend. Because they're best buddies on and off How's the that field. feel, Pat? So that upsetting for you? <laughs> when you look at this game, Nolan, I think it's going to be uh, one for the ages, that's for sure. And think back to that meeting they had in the regular season. 24 nothing in favor of Denver. You think it's all over, especially on the road in Foxborough. That never happens, but... Tom Brady, never say die. They come all the way back. Then that late muffed punt in overtime, the Patriots take it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much stock do you put in that win for New England now going on the road to mile high? Even if Peyton puts up 21 points in the first half, you got to think New England is going to be confident enough saying, we've done this before. We're ready to do it again and come back. I put more stock in the Patriots' big win over the Colts than I do with their win over the Broncos. Really? Just because that was that was a crazy game with the win being so high as it was with all the loopy plays that happened. I mean, that was a crazy, crazy game. Obviously, if you're a Broncos fan, you'd be feeling better if you won that game. But if Denver goes in there and they lose – 35 to 10 then I look back and go like hey like this Patriots team has their number but um I mean so I put more stock definitely in how the Patriots just 
really did well against a Colts team. Like, kind of like how you said, DJ, they were kind of playing with house money because they were thinking, like, you know, we should have lost last week. Let's go out. Let's have good feels. And, um, you know, Patriots, they definitely uh, ended that. But uh, you were saying about Tom Brady, you know, as a New York fan, as a New York guy, you know, I don't dislike Tom Brady because you have to, like, respect him. You have to respect how good of a player he is. I don't like his fan base. I don't like how if he wins another Super Bowl, that will be it because then he will be considered greatest of all time, which he should be. But I think all that flaunting and all that, that's not what I'm looking forward to. But Tom Brady, as a quarterback, I respect him. And you said it. He literally doesn't have four of his best receivers from last year still in the AFC Championship game. And let's talk about that point because I think it's one of the bigger worries for New England. No Gronkowski. Welker's on the other side of things. Hernandez is in prison right now. But still, the way these wide receivers have played this year, Julian Edelman has been absolutely incredible going for mm-hmm. over 1,000 yards. Danny Amendola hasn't been the guy you thought were that was coming into town, but still has been pretty solid so far. And then, you know, a couple of the rookies. Tompkins has been playing well, but still. Now you're in an AFC title game, and you have the fear if Edelman gets shut down. I don't think it's going to happen because the way Denver's defense has been playing and Chris Harris is out with a torn yeah, ACL. Yeah, what a huge injury That's a for major, Denver. major oh, loss. But still, you have the idea that if New England doesn't have his wide receiving game going where it has to be, then you're putting a lot of reliance on Tom Brady to make plays, and then also the running game, which mm-hmm. LeGarrette Blunt has been great these last few weeks, but is he ready for this type of moment? after everything he's been through with such and a also, tumultuous have you, have career. Have you seen some of his runs? I mean, he his offensive line has been, you know, these guys don't get enough credit. The linemen really don't yeah. get enough credit. I mean, he has been running through gaping, gaping holes. I mean, one of us could have rushed for over 100 <laughs> yards. Kelly, Put a U-Haul Kelly, Kelly could have rushed for three touchdowns uh, last week against the Colts because the holes were so big. He had so <laughs> much room to go. So that might be more of a product of the linemen more than blunt. And, you know, you're going to have to see – if that's the case against Denver, and it will be interesting because obviously everyone's talking Manning versus Brady. That's what everyone wants. It's NFL history this Sunday. That's what it's going to be. But would it be kind of disappointing if Brady has another no-touchdown performance and, you know, the game is carried by on the backs of the runners? You know, that's something interesting to think as well. You know, what happens if Brady goes 15 for 20, 200 yards, no touchdowns, but the Patriots win because of just huge running. You're you know, still going to the Super Bowl. You're still going to the Super Bowl, but, you know, it's just that's that's the type of Brady-Manning matchup we might see this year more than in past years. Like, you know what I'm saying with that? Like, it's not going to be Brady with the four touchdowns and the, you know, 80% completion rate and all that. It might be more of the Patriots being a more complete team and just – knowing how to utilize their weapons. Hey, when you get to the playoffs, it's better ugly to win. You know what? <laughs> as long as you get to where you want to go, it doesn't, doesn't matter point. how bad you play. You just got to make enough plays to win. But I think the biggest fear for Denver in this game is defensively, with all the injuries they've mm-hmm. had, whether or not they're ready to hold on and go up against Tom Brady's offense, who just put up over 40 points against were the Colts. You, were you shocked that they held San Diego scoreless in three quarters? Yes. I couldn't believe yes, I was. that score. No, absolutely. I, I mean, that was because San the Diego's offense was rolling. Yeah, yeah, they were rolling. You know, Phillip Rivers, who was fifth in uh, passing yards. I mean, if Peyton Manning didn't have a huge year, if Jamal Charles doesn't have a huge year of Kansas City, you made me think of Phillip Rivers as MVP. Like, he'll definitely get some consideration deservedly uh, and and they held them scoreless for three quarters what was supposed to be the weak link so that was a huge thing looking forward so you got to feel confident about that if you're the broncos but at the same time it could break at any at any moment and also like you said harris he's out 
And that, that's going to be tough for Denver. And what concerns me, if I'm the Patriots going into this game, Denver did a really good job in the totality of that game last week against San Diego stopping the run. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my concern with New England's running game isn't necessarily if Blunt can step into the moment. It's if they're going to be able to play that kind of a game. because And create those holes for him, right? Right. Yeah. Well, not even that, but what happens if Denver's the first team to score? What if they go up 7 nothing, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing, something like that? And even last week against Indianapolis, it took New England a little while to get that running game going. They didn't break through right away. Yeah. You know, those first Good couple points. touchdowns they scored with short fields. Yeah, it wasn't turnovers like they were from Indianapolis. All the yeah. way down yeah. the field. So, you know, they're not if they fall behind early in this game, which I think they're probably going to, you know, given the way Denver plays, they're not going to necessarily afford to stick with the run the way that you they can. did last week, yeah. and then it's going to turn into a shootout up and down the field, and I just don't think Brady can win that against Manning this time. Yeah, and all of Manning's, uh, all, all of the weapons that he has on offense. But uh, as Pat was saying, um, I'm sorry, we're going to have to stop. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is on air. Um, what were you saying with the running? He was just saying that they if they – Stop the running game, and it really took a long time. How? Why do you just keep talking? Damn, dude. Um, yeah, I forget. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay, okay. okay. I got it. Okay, I got it. Like what Andrew Bogish was saying just before, what happens if it is 14 nothing Denver, and then New England rips off 10 points or two touchdowns? The pressure is definitely going to be on Manning. Everyone watching that game against San Diego knew that, oh, my goodness, like, this is another Manning meltdown. I'm like th- this is just a way for Manning not to perform in the playoffs, and I think that's going to be a huge thing. Uh, that's going to be a huge storyline, maybe more than affecting the players. But if Denver does jump out to that lead, like Pat was thinking is going to happen, I will definitely not be counting the Patriots out. Well, just to kind of stick with that for a second, I think I would agree with you, knowing that. I think you need to look back more on New England's game against Indianapolis last week when evaluating how you think this game is going to go as opposed to that Week 12 meeting between these two teams because I think the Patriots, especially on offense, their identity is completely different. I think the reason they were able to come back from a 24 nothing deficit at halftime was because they had Rob Gronkowski and not even just his pass-catching abilities but how differently you have to play the Patriots yeah. as a defense when he's in the game. And yeah, I think if the Patriots yeah, get changer. down early in this game, they just they won't be able to come back the way that they did in that Week 12 game. But if it, if it's anybody who's going to do it, it's Tom Brady. The guy Absolutely. always finds ways to win. And I think, honestly, if the Patriots go to the Super Bowl, this could be one of the better runs we've ever seen in the history of this league, given everything that that team mm-hmm. has been through this year. I mean, it's just People unbelievable. People talking about the Jets maybe overtaking them because because the Jets did go one one against them this year. The Patriots did look pretty beatable at times. I mean, who is Brady going to throw to? You know, and then they get the second seed. Yeah, you said it, DJ. I mean, really an impressive run for the Patriots here. But uh, I mean, and I, as I asked Andrew, I think it's so intriguing because you have Manning. Everyone knows his playoff struggles. Mm -hmm. The Denver Post even made a huge article about it. But then on the flip side, Brady and the Patriots, they haven't won a Super Bowl in 10 years now. Ever since Spygate.
The four teams we wanted to see in this spot all season long. The four best in the National Football League. It's come down to Championship Sunday, Nolan Silbernagel. Let's time, it's time to make some picks. What are you thinking, my friend? Well, starting off, I, I'm going to go with the NFC game first. Even though there's a night game, I really think that everyone's interested in the Manning Brady matchup. So, looking at Seattle, looking at San Francisco, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. They have a 94% win percentage at home in the past two seasons. You just don't bet against it. Give me the Seahawks. All right, before I make my pick, I'll go behind the glass. Pat Burns, who you got on the NFC side of things? Seattle for the first time in the Super Bowl or San Fran going back for the second straight year? I got to agree with Nolan. This is such a difficult game to pick, uh, but I got to go with Seattle at home. When in doubt, I take the team at home, especially in the playoffs. I think home field advantage is real, especially in Seattle. Give me the Seahawks. Kelly Coltis, you're riding with Colin Kaepernick's chin strap beard or Russell Wilson's clean shave? Yeah, I got to go with Russell Wilson's clean shave here, DJ. Like Patrick just said, I'm going with the 12th man. Seattle's making it to the Super Bowl for their first time. Man, no one's picking the 49ers. Wow. I'm going to be the one guy. I'm in the convincing I'm going one today. with Sam Francisco. I just don't trust Seattle in this game. I love Harbaugh over Carroll. I think he knows what he's doing. Carroll a little bit too big for the moment with his ego maybe. And I think San Francisco's team, Nolan, you convinced me. They're the more complete team this year. And Frank Gore is going to have a big game against the Seattle defense. I think the Seahawks are in for a lot worse of a game than they think. So that's our NFC prediction. Now it's the AFC. The game we've all wanted to see this year. Brady, Manning, Nolan, who's going to the Super Bowl from the AFC? Like I said, you can't bet against history. You can't bet against the Seahawks' history at home. And you can't bet against the Denver Broncos with their historic offensive output. I mean, Payne Manning, greatest season ever by quarterback. He has four legit weapons to throw to. You know Wes Welker wants to win this game. You know Manning wants to win this game. They're at home. Give me the Broncos. Pat Burns, you're rolling with your boys from Massachusetts, or is it Peyton's time to shine in 2014? Nah, again, I'm with Nolan on this. I just think the way the game is going to break out, like I was talking about earlier, just I can't envision this game being anything other than a shootout. And any other year, it might be a toss-up, but this year, I just think Brady doesn't have the horses. Picking against your team. What a fan. Oh, man. Kelly Colt, is is Giselle Bunkin going to be in for another post-game argument with her husband? What do you think? It might be, DJ. I got to go again with Nolan and Pat on this one. I'm going with Denver. I'm riding with Peyton Manning. I think this year is his year. You know, I think Brady's maybe has one or two more left in the tank, but just not this season. Look, I really want to pick the Patriots, but before the season, I said Denver and San Francisco. But let me say this. I think New England has a much better opportunity of stealing this game than some people think. I think their defense is much better than they played for the entire season. I think they're really going to give Peyton Manning some problems. But when it comes down to it, like we've talked about, the Broncos have the better weapons overall. I think it's going to be close. I think Denver wins it by just a touchdown in a great game that we will always remember. Definitely. I mean, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, people are always going to remember this rivalry. It's going to be unbelievable moving forward. And, you know, we were talking about it before. Regardless, somebody's legacy is going to be enhanced by this, whether it be Tom Brady's or Peyton Manning's. We've talked about Peyton Manning's legacy, and let's just let's just get a little bit deeper into Tom Brady's legacy because he obviously has that great Super Bowl run yeah. with the three championships against the Rams, the Panthers, and the Eagles. Not great competition, but still, what he did, given where he came from behind Drew Bledsoe, is just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. If Brady loses again, 
Where does that stack up in your mind? You know, it, he Brady kind of reminds me of Achilles from the from the ancient Greek story uh, of the Iliad and uh, all that because he he was untouchable. He was the king of the NFL coming in, winning three out of four Super Bowls, just unreal. And then if he never wins again, if he goes 15 years without winning another Super Bowl, I really believe it would be like a Greek, you know, tragedy, something like that, where it would just be a sad figure to think that he was just one away from maybe greatest of all time and then not just getting it. So I really think that would be Tom Brady's legacy if he never wins another one. Yeah, I agree with that, Nolan, when you play it out over the rest of his career. But I think if we're just talking about this game on Sunday, if Brady loses this one, I don't think it's any kind of a stain on his resume, given the team that he has. Given the uh, year? Yeah. I mean, as far as true. I'm concerned, and I know as far as a lot of people in New England are concerned, this team is already a success, given everything that they had to go through. I don't think it's any shame at all getting to the Final Four of your league in yeah, any year, especially true. this year for New England. But will so, history look at it that way? Will history, I think history, will history will. look back? I do, yes. Really? I think they will. Because everyone yeah. thought Denver was going to be here playing for a chance to go mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl. That's true. That's what people thought last year, but the Baltimore Ravens came to mile high and won an incredible game. New England wasn't supposed to be here, even right. with Rob Gronkowski back in the lineup. Still, given the wide receivers they have and the defensive players that are so young on their team, and also a lot of defensive injuries as well at the linebacking they have court, been hurt. with spikes yeah. and everybody else, you didn't think New England was going to get here. But still, somehow, some way, they've gotten all the way to the AFC Championship game. And yes, even if Brady loses, people are going to remember he couldn't get over Manning when he finally made it to the yeah. AFC title game as Denver's quarterback. But I think they'll also look back and say, Wow, look at this team he brought to the AFC Championship. It's like LeBron in Cleveland. How in the world did that guy get to the NDA Finals with Mo Williams playing point it's guard Delonte West? Point. I mean, but, I think but, that's how but, we look do, at it. But no, but do people look at that? No, people didn't look at it that way. They looked at it as LeBron's not clutch. They looked at it as LeBron's not a winner. I think history is a lot crueler than you guys are giving it credit for. I, I truly believe that. I mean, you guys have great points, and I'm not saying what Brady is doing isn't impressive, but I think when history looks back, I think it looks more with, uh, with a more strict eye than um, you, you guys are uh, giving it credit for, personally. Well, we shall see we how shall history see. unfolds this weekend. Two great games. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's always a pleasure hosting with you here on NFL Friday. Yes, Nolan, DJ, Silver you're one of the greatest, definitely, man. It's always a pleasure. So that will and do it for us. of course, we us. have a great, great everyone behind the glass throughout the entire season. Great crew, absolutely. Kelly Coltis, Pat Burns, always providing great insight. My main man, Nolan Silvernagel. This is DJ Sixsmith. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the football. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.